Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith in a culture against faith. So let's talk about elements of respectful conversation. Um, we started this series a couple weeks ago with me and my friend Jared, just kind of how we approach respectful conversation and that it is a possible thing to have. We live in a society that, God, it seems like all you see are debates and arguments everywhere, all over the media, and you never end up having a, a true respectful conversation. And so today I want us to detail out what that actually looks like and elements of how I approach respectful conversation. And Colin, if you have additions, you're welcome to, to give them. Yeah, for sure. Of which, actually, I think I start approaching respectful conversation in a way of like making sure that I use I statements. Mm-hmm. Could you give me an example of an I statement? I feel this way. I feel this way. I feel hurt. I feel sad. Um, I feel betrayed. Um, I feel this way about this issue. Um, I think that gun control law should be more strict. Um, Or... I think that um, prayer should not be involved in schools or whatever your argument is, I believe this way and use that as a statement, not a, or maybe even it's, I feel this way about your response to, right? Um, If I said, I feel like gun control law should be more strict and you say, well, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. I now feel, I, I now can say I feel attacked um, in your response. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, could you, do, do you have any examples of this that you've used in, in real life? Help try to spark me with, um, you put me on the spot. Sorry. I, I, so like for me, um, I was having a conversation about LGBTQ Christians with a person who is far more conservative than I am. Um, and we were having a, a, a conversation and then he essentially just told me that my theology was whack. Okay. Um, and, or he said something to the effect of like, you're doing theology wrong or something like that. It was a use statement. It was, it was attacking. Got it. Got it. Got it. And I said, I feel like that's an ad hominem statement. You need to back (laughs) off. (laughs) You quoted, you quoted Socratic logic, like fallacies to him. I sure did. Oh my God. I sure did. Of course you did. Um, that's some crap that I would do. <laughs> I said, I now feel personally attacked because now you're questioning my intelligence. Yeah. Um, so an instance like that, um, I don't know. I feel attacked 
in your response? Can we adjust the conversation now in a way that is not attacking? Yeah. So if you want to, I see what you're saying. If you want to use I statements in that way, mm -hmm. um, what I hear you saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. is that you want to use I statements to set boundaries. Yes. Using I statements as a starting point for the conversation and then setting boundaries along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When bound, when you start feeling like boundaries are being crossed, yeah, it is not a a point to if if it is not a boundary that you have not previously set, you cannot end the conversation because that was not a boundary that was previously set. I now feel this way. Let's not cross this boundary. Yeah. So the way that I like to communicate that boundary most of the time is in a response of I don't think you have a right to speak that over me mm -hmm. or about me, mm -hmm. and I just set that. Mm -hmm. And then I may ask some kind of question. Um, now, it will break the second half of what we say because it is usually a leading question because, you know, we're playing chess, not checkers here. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if someone is attacking me and I'm having yeah. to set boundaries, yeah, I'm definitely coming back at them. I'm just doing it in a more tactful way. Yeah, So like, okay, I guess let's have that conversation. Try not to ask leading questions. Yeah. Um, but what you were just talking about is having a conversation with a, a person that was not respectful, like what we talked about last week. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, if you set that boundary, yeah. you don't need to respond That's in true. like way. It's true. It's true. Unless it's true. they cross that boundary well, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's if they don't hold and respect the boundary. Yeah. For sure. Um, and even if you set the boundary, I would still say, even if it's in a very respectful conversation and you're setting a respectful boundary that's going to be respected, mm -hmm. I would still say that if you set a boundary, the best way to move forward is because if you felt like you had to set a boundary, mm -hmm. your anxiety is going to be a little higher. The best way to respond is with a clarifying question. Yes. Like in Agreed. some kind of way, get them to get them to say what they were trying to communicate in a new way that doesn't feel attack like or accusatory and what you can even help in that process by saying what you just said a few minutes ago what i'm hearing you say is correct um that is another really useful phrase in having respectful conversation and we call that active listening right you tell me a thing I process it and I repeat it back to you using similar words, if not the same words, making sure that you understand. And a way to start that is what I hear you saying is blah, 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 blah. Um, it feels non-judgmental to use yeah. active listening. Um, and that's, that's the biggest piece here in having respectful conversation is being non-judgmental, creating yeah. this safe space. We set that up week one. Yeah. Of this, of this series. So approaching this very non-judgmentally will involve lots of clarifications. Um, but ultimately <clears throat> using lots of I statements and asking for clarification yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the other thing. The beauty of the I statement is that you don't do any projection. 
Yeah. And that that's the danger of where these conversations get crossed is when you begin to project something onto the other person that yep. they didn't say. Yep. You take something that they said and you make that up about something else based on your own trauma or your mm -hmm. own response, fight or flight. You know, there's mm -hmm. lots of different ways that can happen. And you give clap back. Yeah. And you project in that clap back. If you reserve yourself to I statements, you never speak about anything other than you, you and your own experience. Mm -hmm. And that keeps you safe from any kind of projections yeah. or. It, exactly. You're just communicating where you're at in the exactly. conversation. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is another piece is like, make sure you know where they're at too. If they're not using I statements, that's how you check in with the, what I hear you saying is continue. Yeah. Um, that is a way for you two to stay on the same page. Now, not asking leading questions and asking true, genuine, good questions about yes. the other person's position. Yes. So we set this, we, we, we asked this question in the first episode, uh, Richard Mao, right. Uh, wrote the forward to the book. Let's talk. Um, he likes to ask the question or make the statements. It's kind of that is eliciting questions, but it is help me understand how you feel about this issue. Yeah. Questions are, and correct me, but what I hear you saying is that questions are an opportunity to listen and learn. Yes. Uh, which is kind of tied to the, the our third, third piece. Um, yeah. Questions are great. I love questions. I actually, it says in my Instagram bio, just asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun until he asks questions that you don't have answers to and you feel like a student of Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it do be like that sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just, I love asking questions and questions are a great opportunity because it allows for someone else to give you a perspective on the world that you don't see. Sure. And what, what I most often find is when I ask people questions and I really like intentful trying to listen to them questions, people are not attacking. People are no. not accusatory. They want to have the conversation. Well, no, not always. They don't want to have the conversation because they've been trained to think that having a conversation makes them feel threatened because they're not people wanting to have good conversations. That's fair. And so they don't always want to have the conversation. But what I do find is when they figured out that I actually wanted to listen and care what they had to yes. say, they wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. Because what they exactly. also understand and what I understand is that their perspective on the world is not them trying to like impact my perspective on the world. They just want their perspective to be heard. Yeah. The problem is that most of the time these conversations are happening, they're happening around issues that are far greater um, and, and perspectives on the world that are impossible to see mm -hmm. because, excuse me, let me just name the elephant in the room. We have white privilege. Mm -hmm. um, if I try to have a conversation with black people about their experiences in America. Um, I'm very well read, very well educated. I understand all the problems, but I can never truly understand that yeah. because 
I have white privilege. I have yeah. 300 years of That's this right. country telling it and everyone in it that white people are better. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, African-Americans have that mm. same experience except the adverse. Yeah. We will never know what it's like to walk around exactly. and like have that experience in the world. And so they want their perspective and viewpoint on the world to be heard. Yeah. That's the same thing we want. Mm -hmm. The difference is ours is the one that already gets heard. Yeah. Because ours exactly. is the majority voice. Ours is the most powerful voice. Yeah. And so when you ask people questions, it gives them the opportunity to give voice mm -hmm. to their perspective. It, it solves some of the problem that they want. They don't mm -hmm. feel heard. Yeah. If you remember, you know, we just celebrated July 4th not too long ago. And I was thinking about that day, Independence Day. And I was like, is that really a day of liberation? Ah, all that crap started because of taxation without representation. How do you think black people feel? How do you think LGBTQ people feel? No. Nah. We're already still not well represented. Like, mm. our people already don't have representation. And they still get taxed for living here. Yeah. Uh, nah. It, it was a hard day for me. Like, I want to acknowledge, like, the independence and liberation that came from that. But I also want to acknowledge that, like, we're far from done. Oh, yeah. We still got so much work to do. Yeah, exactly. And so giving voice back to them is part of that experience of liberation, like allowing them to have their voice heard. They're mm -hmm. happy to do that. And honestly, like it's us that are wrong in those conversations because we're the ones that feel threatened. And it's like, oh, well, maybe like we should just try to make it right. Yeah. Like maybe this is not that hard. Don't all think the room on this one, guys. Yeah, I think, I think that that's a very fair point of like, Asking the marginalized people to speak their point as well and just generally yeah. approaching it, trying to understand their position. Hear I think that that learn. is, yeah, I, I think that that is a very good point. But on the reverse, you need to, if you're going to do that with the marginalized people, you have to be willing to do that with the people who look like us and who are oppressing people. Yeah, for sure. You have to be willing to approach that conversation the exact same way or you're now a hypocrite. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's important to listen to these other voices of the marginalized people, you know, the, the African-Americans, the LGBTQ people, victims of sexual assault, all yeah, of yeah, these yeah. things. You need to be able to listen to their stories so that you can then listen to the position of the oppressor yeah, and then tell the story of all, tell all of the stories that you've yeah. previously heard. Okay, yeah, that. I'm glad you said that um, because you listed a lot of people that need to have their stories told and those stories don't look anything similar. No. And, and we, as the person hearing those stories, have to continue to make space for all of those stories and hearing the concerns of all of those stories and trying to adapt our worldview according to those stories mm. because we as Christians have a command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. And the second is like it, mm -hmm. to love your neighbor. Those people that have those voices that we refuse to listen to or make space for, those are our neighbors. Mm. Golly, Clayton, I think, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. A friend of mine asked me, what does it mean that God loves me? Mm. 
And like me, the theological brain, I came up with this macro answer. Like, you know, it was appropriate. But I got to thinking about that more. What does it mean that someone loves me? Jeez, I've been asking that question a <laughs> long time. I'm still wrestling through it, but one of the first things I thought about was, does someone, if someone loves me, do they listen to me? Mm. And then I asked in the reverse, if someone listens to me, do they does that me? mean they love me? Yeah. I think yes, but the reason I think I can say yes is because I don't think most of the time when people are listening, they're listening. Yeah. I think if you actually listen and you care to listen and hear the pain of someone's story, you do love them. Yeah. Because you want to help, you want to assist, you want to aid. The problem is most of these were falling on deaf ears because people don't want to listen. Yeah. And... On the flip side of that also, not just listening to the pain and loving the the people who have been hurt, not just that. Listening to the voice of the oppressor can also be a moment of love. Despite your oppressive views, I still love you as a human being and care to listen to what you have to say, but now let's have a different conversation about the harm that your view is doing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. Um, you still have to approach those conversations in love. Like we talked about before, you still have to have those conversations in love, which is approaching it, trying to listen. Yeah. Um, approaching it, asking honest questions, not leading questions. Yeah. Thus leading us into the last part, approaching every conversation as a moment of learning. Yeah. If you approach a conversation to belittle someone, to make someone feel stupid, if you approach a conversation, even if it is the oppressor, to tell them that they are wrong, you are doing it wrong. I'm guilty of this. I attack the oppressor all the time in the wrong ways. You have to approach it in a a moment of let me hear what you have to say so yeah. that I can learn what you believe. Now let me, in a respectful way, try to help you reframe this. Let me approach this conversation in a way. These are all of the stories I've heard. Here is a way that we might be able to reframe your hurtful position. And that's all you can do. You can have that conversation over and over and over and over again. And you can do it in a way that is respectful and loving. You can also do it in a way that is the way of Jesus at times which is calling people brood of vipers. <laughs> maybe don't actually do that. I'm guilty uh, of that one too. Yeah, maybe don't actually do that one. But if the conversation is, like I'm not saying that advocacy is a thing that should stop. I'm not saying that we can't um, protest and that telling that the oppressors, telling the oppressors that they're wrong and that they're hurting people, I'm not saying that that should stop. 
But when you have these conversations, I want you to be approaching it in a way of trying to learn their, their position. Because if you don't truly understand what they have to say, all of these other stories that you're going to throw at them don't mean jack shit. Yeah. It's going to fall on deaf ears. If you can listen and learn what they have to say, you can use these stories to support them, yeah, yeah, to yeah. support the marginalized people, to support the the position that you are arguing for because now you genuinely do understand. And that, friends, is having conversation that is rooted in love and a great way to approach conversations respectfully. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.